When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Puck and Roll. Welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. This is part two of our uh, interview with with jo- with not that Jordan Harris. Uh, if you missed the last episode, uh, Jordan is the uh, Russia scout and crossover European scout at Dover Prospect. So uh, we've we've been working together uh, this year, which has been been very fun, and uh, we've been scouting basically completely opposite players because I've been focusing on the OHL and North America, and he's been across the pond. So. Uh, Last episode, we covered kind of a variety of, of, of players uh, with quite a big focus on Russia. So I, I think I wanted to start today off with a, a player that is top five or top 10 on certain boards. Uh, for me, he's more of a 15 to 25 range player, but I'm very curious to hear your take on uh, Dalibor Dvorsky, who is playing professional hockey in Sweden. Uh, but he is Slovakian, and he, he will be playing with Slovakia during the World Juniors uh, alongside Habs prospect Philip Mesher. Yeah, so Dvorsky, I I think I've come down a bit on him. Um, he's like he's got good size, like six one, two hundred pounds or so. He he looks he looks pretty thick, um, and and he like he he does a lot of stuff like quite well, um, but outside of his shot. I, I've just been. I, I think I thought preseason that he had he was had a lot more traits that were like great, um, but now I'm starting to think that he's just a. And I don't want to mean I don't mean this in a negative at all. Like this is a very good player we're talking about, um, but I see a guy who who's just who's pretty good at a lot of things with a great shot, versus and and that's still a, like a you know that's still a mid first round pick like that's a great player versus what I thought he might have been before the season where it was a guy who does a lot of things great and something's pretty good. Um his his shot, like he's 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 the guy who he'll always line up on the half wall on the power play. He can he can fire it. It's it's accurate. It's hard. He does a really good job getting off quick and uh and also like you know knowing when to shoot. Um but yeah everything else I'm just saying, oh yeah that like that's pretty good. Um and I yeah it's 
I, I, he's pretty good as you know, as supporting his line mates too. I think uh, at least supporting the 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 play in the defensive end. Um, he's playing with uh, AIK, um, which is uh, the other uh, team in Stockholm. With you know the the, the other being uh, Garden. and both of them right now are in are in Hockey Svenskan. Uh, he's he started about out in the in the J20, so in the junior league, and he was you know clearly like too good for that. Like he was over a point per game, and he's he started producing quite a bit at the beginning uh, once he first got called up to uh, to the Elsvenskan team. But um, he's really started to 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 slow off a bit there. And production's obviously not not you know everything for sure, but I think part of it is that you know, maybe his pace isn't as fast as maybe we thought it was, or maybe his, you know, maybe his skating's not as as great as we thought it was. Um, and our, things are just pretty good. And when you're draft eligible, you know, you know, hockey else fencing is not the SHL, but it's still a very good league too. And I think that's maybe why he hasn't shown out as much as I thought he would. But I still like him. I think I'm in a pretty similar boat. Like for me, he is a more physical and refined and center version of Jonathan Karamaki in a sense of the shot is really what his game is built on, right? Like that is very central. I think Lekaramaki is a better skater than 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 Dvorsky is now. I think Lekaramaki was a better skater last year than than, than Dvorsky is now. Uh, but but they have some similar traits in terms of like they often cheat for offense. Uh, they are surprisingly effective on the back check in terms of stick lifting, but inside the defensive zone they are very much puck watchers and uh aren't aren't really factors at all especially against pro competition uh but their their, their shooting skill still stands out in a, a, a pro league in sweden obviously now both are in the offense skin but last year like Haramaki was playing in the, in the shl but yeah i i, I like his skating is good, right? I, I, I didn't. I don't want to make it sound like his skating is bad. It's just like Lekaramaki is a very, very good skater, and Dvorsky has a good stride. Um, but yeah, again, as, as you were saying, it's good. It's not standout necessarily. Uh, for me, I think I think that the, the two biggest things that that I want to see him improve this season for him to, to kind of climb back up my board from mid first is uh, I want to see him scanning more often, like. Even in the offensive zone, uh, he has decent hockey sense. It's just you he he limits himself by not actively scanning as much as he should be. Uh, and defensively, there is virtually no scanning involved. It's just watching the puck carrier. Uh, and the other thing is he needs to work on his playmaking. He he's very one dimensional offensively. He he's shoot shoot shoot, and he's a great shooter. He, he has a very diverse set of releases. He gets it off so quickly. Uh, it, it's it's very impressive. He's a top five shooter in the entire draft class. But if he were to add a playmaking aspect to his game, he becomes so much more dangerous by just having that, that dual threat. Uh, but yeah, interesting. So, so, so it, it, how, how would you compare like, like if you were to rank him with guys like Sandy Pelika and Goliath, obviously different position, but like, like you were, you were saying like, like those guys for you are kind of like that 15 to 17 ish range would Dvorsky be right in that bunch or yeah yeah right right around there yeah like I, I if someone said to me that um you know you're picking Delaware Dvorsky with your 13th overall pick I'd say okay I, I'd be I'd, I'd yeah I'd be fine if someone said 
no, you're going to get him at 18 or 19. I would also say, yeah, that kind of, that kind of checks out. Um, I find uh, like numerical rankings a little bit difficult because I, I like to just do kind of clusters because it, it, it like, always has clusters. Yeah, yeah, because you look at it. And I, I remember, uh, I remember 2020. Like 2020, uh, it's funny, it's, it hasn't looked like this now, but it was like you know uh, Lafreniere and uh, and uh, and Byfield, and then it was any or AI institutional, I guess was was three, and then after that it was you know you had twelve guys or like ten maybe eight more yeah. guys who you really could have made an argument at four, you know, whether it's Cole Perfetti, uh, Marco Rossi, Jack Quinn, uh, Lucas Raymond, uh, Jake Sanderson, uh, you know, Drysdale Holtz. I'm off. Anyways, but you, you, you had a lot of those guys. And I remember yeah. um, I was talking to somebody and they said, Oh, like you have um, such and such a player. I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, Anton Lundell. Yes. They said, oh, you have him at six. I have him at 10. Like, you know, I said, okay, but he's in the same group as everybody. Yeah. And, and six and 10 seems like a big gap, but they're, I found all those players were very, very similar. And, and really like, they're all kind of like on the same level, really. Yeah. So, okay. Because yeah, yeah. I think for me, at least currently, Goliath and uh, Sandy Palaka would be like a, a quite distinct tier above a guy like Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, despite the fact that Dvorsky has a, a longer track record uh, of exceptional production, and and, and that is something to, to value too, right? Yeah, that's. I think that's why I I why I don't have those two above him distinctly, is because I think Delvar Dvorsky is going maybe you know kind of goes going through his lumps and stuff like that, but like man, he put forty points up in the in the J twenty last year as a D minus one um he's like he's got the size he's got that shot and everything else is pretty good like i i, I and like i i look at i think since he doesn't have necessarily any glaring weaknesses i i know his defensive games you know not as great i do think that if if a couple of those just get you know from you know uh middle of the pack in terms of you know quality to steps up a bit then I think that would go a long way with him. So I think that's kind of why I, I'm I'm I have him right with him versus those guys ahead. Yeah, awesome. Um, sticking in it, it, in within like the Nordic countries, Casper Haltonen is really the only ultra notable fit yeah. in this draft class. And I I I haven't gotten an actual scouting viewing of him in yet. I, I've watched him in passing, uh, but I haven't actually zeroed in on him just yet. So I don't really have much of a formed opinion on him. What's your takeaway from him? I've watched him a little bit since the um, Holenka. Not as much as other guys, of course. Uh, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't care for him as much as, as, as some other players. I, I, I don't think he's, um, I don't think the motor's great. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's lazy because he, he's not lazy, but I, you know, there's a, spectrum of 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 how good your compete level is and and he's lower he's lower than a lot of other people um he's he's an okay skater shots really really good um don't find him I, I don't see great playmaking necessarily from him as as i would with some other players um he's kind of like the uh 
like the opposite of uh, Otto Stenberg. I find Otto Stenberg kind of good at, or kind of, you know, pretty solid at, at everything. Uh, whereas um, Haltonen's a little bit more, uh, you know, extremes, like, you know, his shot's really, really good and he's got really great size and he's, he's strong. Um, but then he's also got a lot of like valleys, you know, off to offset his peaks. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, with me, if, if you like, I, I value compete a lot more, um, not necessarily that, oh, if you're just, you've got an elite compete, you'll be a good player. But I find that like compete definitely doesn't make you turn or take you from a bad prospect to a good prospect. But I think it gives you the edge on comparable prospects. Um, because at that point, you're like, you're going to generate just simply because you're outworking other people. And when your shot isn't working as in, like, if you've got a really, really good shot, it's not going to work all the time. Like, um, you know, I'm a Red Wings fan. We have Philip Zadina. He's injured right now, but his shot, he hasn't been a good shooter in the NHL. And that was his calling card. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot more, you know, he's, he's a lot more two way than I thought he was when he was drafted, but that's not what going to keep him in the NHL. And when you're a guy who, who, has really, really high skill or, or really a good shot and, and your compete isn't super, super good. If you go through those dry spells or it's just not translating, then you don't really have much of a chance at, at being at that effective of a player. And that's kind of what I see with Halton then. Yeah, about... Go, go ahead, John. Yeah, I just feel that competes one of those things that is unteachable in a prospect. Like, to me, it's kind of where it is depending on the player. Like we talk about skating mechanics, shooting mechanics. Those are things that can be improved upon using coaching. But to me, compete hockey sense. Those are a lot harder to teach and grow in, in a player, especially when you're looking at coaching staff and things like this, where you can teach to be a more fluid skater or to have a better shot. In my opinion, I think, looking at the compete of prospects is a really good sign to see where how they will translate into the nhl because that level is going to stay the same throughout their whole career pretty much in my opinion yeah and i think you nailed that there like the 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 uh the brain thing as well like the you know your iq that being another thing like it's pretty much it like if you've got really good iq and you if you've got really good iq you compete like a dog and you're an above average skater, you can probably find it like, and, and you're not like, you know, 120 pounds, you can probably carve out a role in the NHL. Um, will you ever be a good NHL player? Probably not, but you can at least do something and you can at least do something with that. Um, and, and also those things that you mentioned, like, Oh, your shot and your skating and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Some of those things are coachable, but it takes two to tango. It, it's, it's, it's the coaching, but it's also the, like the ability to put it in that work and to take to coaching well, and to, and to really be serious about, about, you know, fixing your mechanics. And usually people have really high compete also have a little bit more dedication to their craft as well. Um, and that's why I've seen players, you know, improve their skating or improve their shot. Uh, like no one will ever just go from an average shooter to being Alexander Ovechkin, but you can go to an average shooter to then becoming an above average shooter. So, 
And I think on that note, we're just going to take a little quick break and uh, get a quick little ad read in. So, Aaron, take it away. I mean, just before I start that, I do want to say we we don't usually see average shooters turn into elite shooters, but Tage Thompson scored five goals <laughs> like two nights ago. So, Tage, Tage Thompson know. is a unicorn. Mitch I've Brown. Seen people saying, uh, yeah, I've seen people saying that uh, Slaff is going to be the next Tage Thompson, and I'm. I would love that. That is, that is best case scenario. Absolute best case scenario. Well, do you want to bet on Yuri Savkovsky scoring five goals in a game? You probably don't. But if you do, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five ga- $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shots and an even bigger payout. Download, draft, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. You get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What a transition that was, Aaron. Wow. Oh, I can't remember that on the spot. That was... Uh, it was beautiful. Thank you. I wow. really appreciate that. Very impressed. <laughs> all right, this uh, is so- being cut out. This is all going to stay in the pod because I need a little bit of uh, an ego boost right now. It's been a tough day. <laughs> uh, so, so, Jordan, I think what, one question I just want to kind of set you off on and just give you the, like, the... The platform to, to do it is just what are some players that you just want to talk about i don't care what league yep. they play in i don't care whether you're going to rank them or not who who do you just find interesting yes definitely um I, i'm just gonna bring up i want to have their elite prospects page while i chat on him okay so one person i have not heard a single uh like you know big media scout, whether it's somebody from TSN or Sportsnet or, um, you know, The Athletic and, you know, Flow Hockey, stuff like that, I have not heard anybody talk about is Dynamo Moscow's um, uh, Magomed Sharikhanov. He, the first game I watched of him, I the, what I used to describe him was a rolling ball of butcher knives. <laughs> oh, he first off the guy is so he's a late 2004 he's 61 201 and he looks like and, and and I don't mean that he's fat like he looks like he he's got to be jacked like he's he looks huge um his skating is good uh you know quite good actually um his compete is like amazing his he's very physical um he and, and what's great about him is that I don't want to say that he's re- like, you know, rolling ball butcher knives sounds like you're reckless. You know, you're like you're playing cowboy hockey and stuff like that, which he kind of does. But it's not necessarily that he's uh, reckless in the sense that he he makes poor decisions. It's almost in the sense where he is um, he's actually quite um, measured in the defensive zone. It's just that he is on you so quick. He can keep, he, he, he's got the foot speed to keep up with you. Uh, he's so good at defending the rush and then he'll he's he's just a dog along the boards like he's 
he I, I saw a guy who was, you know, kind of like a you're really fast, like, a, you know, your five, eight hundred and sixty pound junior player who's, you know, who's really fast and really shifty. And, you know, in, in a lot of the maybe the bigger defensemen, it's difficult for them to keep up. So this guy was, you know, skating behind the net and he did. He probably turned back two or three times just to try to shake uh, Sherikanov. And Sherikanov was with him step for step. And it was more than just because his compete was so good. He's also like, you know, pretty quick as well. He ended up getting the guy, like, you know, chasing the guy basically around to the, the sideboards, laid a big hit on him, pinned him there, took the puck, had the, the, the presence of mind to look up, uh, look out, uh, you know, for a breakout pass, hit the guy with the pass. And then the guy, you know, um, you know, went up with it. So it's, he's, he's actually like really, really, um, like he's not he's not careless. However, when I say that he's a rolling ball of butchery knives, he picks his spots really well to jump up in the rush. But he looks like a defensive lineman who is picking up a fumble, and in football, and it's the first time he's ever held a football because he's a defensive tackle, and he really wants to like run for a touchdown, and he falls because he's you know he's going at full speed. He picks his thoughts perfectly and when to rush, and I've seen him rush. And then actually trip over his own feet and fall. Like I've seen him try to do like six dekes on a defender, and you know he just ties himself up in a in you know in in a in a ball there. So that's kind of what I mean there. But he is his his energy and his compete is off the charts. He's big. Uh, I can't remember who we were talking about for a guy who doesn't shoot. Uh, it was in the last episode. A guy who doesn't shoot for goals, but a guy who shoots for tips and and rebounds. That's what Sherikanov does. Uh, really well he's definitely trying to um like he'll he'll keep it like low uh something that you know his his the guy in the net front can 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 get a stick on that's what he'll do but it's it's a nice hard shot um yeah he's really good they uh moscow has him running their power play one i don't think he's that type of guy in the nhl um i think he's a good passer i don't think he's a good passer uh, I don't think he's a great passer, like to be, you know, your your power play quarterback. But he is like his compete, his physicality. He smokes guys. He's he's got great speed. Right away, like he he's going to be playing middle pair minutes at some point, I, I think. And no one really seems to be talking about him. And I have him in like the second round. So I don't know. I uh, he might go in the fifth round. He might he might end up going in the second round. I don't know. He may, maybe he's just one of those guys that people haven't watched enough, and they'll catch up to him later. But uh, he's so fun to watch and one of my favorite prospects. He also has a name to match uh, his playstyle, Magomed. Oh, yes. That is yeah. that's quite the name. Like rolling, rolling ball of butcher knives. Like you were coming up with the best metaphors for players: <laughs> oily hips and yeah, rolling ball. ball. <laughs> wow, that is a uh, quite qu- quite quite the image. Uh, interesting because I. At least among the North American players, I can't think of a single player that uh, that I would describe as a rolling ball of butcher knives. Yeah. Uh, so he sounds like a quite unique profile for this draft class. For sure, I'm seeing him. So I see this other player, and he's not a pros- He's not a draft prospect. He's already been drafted. But I see this player a lot because I I follow the Red Wings. Marco Casper has been a menace in the SHL. Yes. He's been, he, he's, been he's been ejected, I think, from two games. Um, I think he got a penalty for like, I, I don't know what happened. He probably, I think he, he might have like just kind of like you know shouldered off a ref when they're trying to break him up. Or like he obviously didn't punch a ref, but like he 
he he got like a, a penalty for abuse of referee, which is like, oh my god, like wow. And it's funny if you look at him, he actually like he, he's got like a baby face. Like he looks like a he looks like a I don't know, like like a choir boy. I don't know. He's like he yeah, he's uh he looks like just such a nice kid. And that's another guy who in his skating is is is, is very good. His skating is is better than Sherikanov's. Uh Margaret Pastor's skating is so good. But that guy is a is a menace out there. He he's uh his whole game uh definitely last year less so this year was how do we get the puck to the net you know in 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 the quickest way which is a straight line like he will beeline for the net um and yeah he's he's been laying guys out he's been so he's yeah he he's just been so good like that and and i i think i said to you Sebastian, i said sherikanov kind of reminded me of uh like a defensive version of that um interesting yeah not as good of a skater. Like, I don't think he's first round talent, but, uh, cause I think his ceiling's only a middle pair defenseman, but I think like, I, I think his floor is also like a third pair defenseman. So I don't think he's like, I think he makes the league. Interesting. And I mean, Casper has just gotten better with every viewing I've had. Of. Like, like I, I was one of the people that that ranked him in like the 20 to 25 range. Uh, I, I had him, I think at 22 on my board, which was one spot ahead of, of Owen Beck. I, I had those two guys back to back. Just because, like for both of them, I thought that there was untapped offensive potential. I loved the the motor. I loved the intelligence. I loved the defensive play, and I I thought that both were were very safe bets for middle six centers in the NHL moving forward. Uh, and I think both of those guys, if I were to do a like a like a re ranking of my board right now, both of those would shoot up into the, into the top 20, right? And possibly even top 15 range, if I would stretch that. But yeah, I mean, the Red Wings got an exceptional player there. And yeah. and they have the tendency to, to go a bit off the board uh, in the top 10. Oh, absolutely. And um, uh, what I think that there needs to be is, uh, and this, it doesn't just apply to the Red Wings, but I would love if somebody did a breakdown of you like the draft day picks where I'm not talking like, Oh, a guy who, you know, who was going to go 15 goes eight, like not that big of a reach, but where people were, were laughing or were, were, yeah. were at a loss of words for what like Tyler Boucher, Tyler Boucher, Yegor Chinikov, uh, you know, Mort uh, Sider. Mort Sider. That was another thing. I still, I, I watched that video like once a month, they call his name, you know, Mannheim of the DEL, Moritz Sider. And then you hear, <gasps> You know, uh, I'm e- e- even of, even from Montreal, like Kakniemi, like you, like there was yes. the famous reaction in in, in, even in the draft video. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's funny. Like you look at some guys, and and ends up being well, like you know, Jaeger Chinikov is like a half a point player on a you know on Columbus, and that team he doesn't have a lot of support. I'm not saying he's a good player, but people, you know, as a re-entry player, how many of those re-entry players get picked in the middle of the first? Not many, and it's I, I don't funny. know. Who else has been picked in the first round as a re-entry in the last ten years? Um, has anyone as a as a as a re-entry? In, in I, I know Giannis Moser went went early in the second, and he was a deep. Josh Dillon went early in the second. Um, uh, Josh Dillon. Riker early Evans went went early in the second. Yeah, Riker Evans. Yeah, he did. I love Riker. I, I, in in the twenty twenty draft, which is when I started actually tracking, um, like who I would pick for the Habs in their slot. I picked Riker Evans in the seventh round, and then the next year you went in the, the second, and I was like, let's go. And I was oh, over nice. half a point a game in the AHL, See, and I'm like, that is Seattle has drafted so well. 
Except for their expansion draft, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're great amateur drafters. <laughs> Excellent amateur drafters. Yeah. Jagger Furcus. I wanted their draft with our picks. Like, yeah, they had the best class last year. I, I I like theirs more than anyone else's. They did, but I like and I'm not pandering here. Um I was I really liked the Habs draft. And for me to say that when I when you know when I, I probably would have gone a different direction for the, the first overall pick. Um, you still guys got a great player, but even at that, like I looked through, I really like Philip Meshar. I loved Owen Beck. I can't believe he was there at 33. Yeah. I like Lane Hudson, but I wasn't, I didn't think that he would, I wasn't going to pick him in the top 25 just because he was so, so, so small. Like it's not, yeah. Like he was smaller than Quinn Hughes, like much He's smaller. Under 150 pounds. Yeah, exactly. And then when he had that note that basically was like, I don't know, I feel like it was written on a cocktail napkin being like, I will grow, you know, like it was It's the uh, biggest boss move to show up to the combine with a doctor's note proving that that like biologically you could you could uh, grow another three inches. That is like, like, what kind of prospect would do that? You know, what's funny. One with real uh, compete. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? He has got that dog in him for sure. Oh, um, he does. But, uh, it's like a toy poodle or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, not like a, it's not like a pit bull or anything. It's a toy poodle. Um, in the NFL draft, though, there's guys who have um, – because, um, you know, weight does matter in, in football because it's a, such a physical sport. And there are guys who have, like, downed, like, three liters of water before their weigh-ins so they could go from being 200 and, you know – 235 pounds as a defensive end to being 242 maybe you know like it's like there are people who have done that and that kind of reminded me of uh of that just having the note saying oh i will grow or, or like you know i will be taller than i am right now but like i i actually had vincent vincent's roar in like the 65 range you guys got him at 75 um adam engstrom i watch a lot of uh, he's with rugla now in this in the uh, in the shl a lot that's red wings east right now uh they have um a few guys there so i've watched a lot of him he's been impressive in in you know and i i actually don't think i would have had him in the in the third round when you guys picked him but he seems to be looking good um and he thinks uh, he can become the next like bobby Orr. he he said in an interview that he believes he could become the next kale mccarr and i love that like i (laughs) like Imagine just the cojones to say as a recent third round draft pick that you believe that you can beat Kale McCarr. And then Lane Hudson comes out and says the exact same thing like a week ago. It's like, it's beautiful. I, 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 I love guess the fellow, fellow third round pick, Adam Fox. Yes, exactly. You know, it's funny. That confidence is like somebody who's read one book and thinks they're an expert on one thing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, great. It's the amount of confidence it takes to say that. But even like you know uh, Cedric Gindon and uh, and really uh, Miguel thing. Tournier, like they, those are good players. I, Jared I like Davidson. J- we don't talk about Jared. Hey, Jared Davidson is like top five in, in the WHL in points a game as a twenty year old. Uh, we we have talked about him on this podcast, and uh, but let's just say his uh, his skating isn't a strength, uh, and we were all a bit perplexed by that draft pick. Um, have have you have you at all watched uh, Petri Nurmi or not at all? No, no, it, it, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, no, I was I, I, Finland's my blind spot, and especially drafted yeah. players from Finland. 
I, I, I don't, I don't blame you at all. I, I, I have a blind spot, but the same thing in, in North America with, with drafted guys. Um, like it was him and, and Davidson. They were kind of like the oddball picks that, that the Habs made of like overage guys that weren't really on anyone's draft radars that were just kind of picked either because of production or because they were on world junior rosters. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what I will say about last year's draft was last year's draft, I think it was, I don't know, this is the first draft in a long, long time where after, pretty much after like the middle of the fourth, there was nobody left who I actually knew. Like, I like I, I always find there's a few drafts where, well, there's a couple, I think like Rudinen was still around or whatever, but yeah, there's always guys who fall. And I felt pretty much after the third round that almost everybody who I had at least some viewings on or, or knew of was picked and I and it probably went as consistent as as maybe it, any draft probably could like I I think of um oh um like Sean Farrell making it to 124 was like yeah I couldn't believe that um Dylan Duke fell yes. to like the late fourth or early fifth round then in 2021 yeah um, exactly. but yeah, like Gradino was, was the last one of, of of that tier player that fell for me. Like for me, my rankings last year, there was like a monumental drop off between uh, fifty four and fifty five. Uh, fifty four uh, end of uh, like fifty four for me was almost closer to like twenty than it was to fifty five. Like, like it was wow. very clear of like a massive distinction in tiers between fifty four and fifty five for me. Uh, fifty five for me was Jeremy Wilmer, who is now Lynn Hudson's teammate and fellow short king. Uh, for for BU, who I I, I adore and I, I I I will champion him forever. He he was by far the lead in USHL scoring last season. Um, he's five seven. He's tiny, but really smart, really skilled. But there were far more question marks than fifty four. D fifty four for me was uh, Sal Monson, right? Like, like that is yeah. he's way better. There yeah. is a, there is there is there's a, a clear uh, drop off there. And then after that, it was very more like the guys I picked after that were like curious cases, right? So, so guys where it's like, okay, it's an interesting swing, but not not necessarily players that I'm ultra confident in. So, so there there was Wilmer, uh, there was Tyler Duke, who I liked a lot, who went undrafted. So basically, from that point onwards, I was just picking guys that didn't end up getting drafted at all. Like Hugo Havlid was another one, right? Like yeah, a lot I was of about undersized, like undersized, undervalued players that. Didn't end up getting picked. Uh, one that that did get picked. That was my last pick of the of the draft from my personal board was Alexis Jongon, uh, who yeah. is now lighting up the QMJHL and is really fun, super high motor, very intelligent player. Uh, but but yeah, for sure, th- there was a very significant drop off where like Dylan Duke, who was the final player available that I was high on in twenty twenty one, would have been in that like Salamonson tier of, of of like a tier above and who fell further right. Whereas this year was it was Verdinen. And then here in the 2023 draft class, at least from, from again, I, I don't have a very um, like full view of, of the class just yet. It's it's still very much being rounded out, as I'm sure you can you can relate to Jordan. But yep. there's there's far more depth in, in in this draft. Of I know for a fact, like my 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 top tier, not not top tier, but like my if I have a tier where there's like a cutoff, like a very big cutoff in quality from like oh perspective nhl or two interesting cases it's not going to be between like 54 55 it's going to be far closer to the 70 mark right of of, of there's going to be far more interesting swings to take in the later rounds uh than than there was last year so like, 
I'd be very curious. Like if, if, if I were a team in the NHL, if I were a GM, I, I'd be wanting to add fourth, fifth, sixth round draft picks as many as I could. Right. Because you're going to get third round talents that are just going to drop to you in those later rounds. So I, that would be a strategy that I'd like to see more teams taking um, because it's kind of clustering like, like, like this year, it, it not only does it go, does it go deep, but it's also, as you mentioned with like Guyayev and setting Pelika of just kind of like that clustering. I, I, I feel like there's a very big cluster between like sixth and like 20th overall where yeah, move quite, quite far between those. And there is, a, there is a drop in quality, but, but it's not huge, huge, which is also why, for instance, the Habs, who are not tanking as they should be, I'm not as stressed about it because the difference between having the sixth overall pick and having the twelfth overall pick isn't like it, it's significant, but it's not it's not like something that, that that is going to tarnish a rebuild by any means whatsoever. Because a player like Andrew Cristal could be available at twelve, which would be incredible. Like Cristal uh, is one of my favorites in this draft class. He uh, is. Um, He's, he's scoring he's twenty one fourth overall for me. Yeah, I agree. He, he's he's fifth on my board. Uh, I he's scoring at almost two points a game in WHL on a weak team, a non playoff team, uh, and he is the best playmaker in the entire draft class from what I've seen so far. Like uh, I I would take his playmaking ability, like uh, like passing playmaking ability over Con Bedard, which is really saying something. And. Wow. Uh, I, I I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, he's undersized. Uh, doesn't have the 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 pre-draft pedigree of guys like Fantilli, Bedard, Mishkov, which is why he's likely going to be a, a, available later on in, in like the later top ten or even falling outside of the top ten, which would present tremendous value for for a draft pick. Yeah, I mean that kind of leads me to when I was at the draft, the most confusing trade I saw at the draft was when Ken Hughes traded the 128th overall pick for a 2023 fourth. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how did he pull that off? Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. It's, it, you know what that is? That's basically, so I think, I think what they do, I know in football, they, they definitely do this is um, you pretty much have like the, their draft boards are way more, way smaller than like a draft board that, you know, Sebastian would make. Like, yeah, I, I think that. They, Wait, like, like 70 max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's like six or seven guys they'd pick in the third round and, you know, and eight or nine guys they'd pick in the fourth and all that stuff. I think when you do that, when you trade a pick in that current round for a complete pick next year, you're saying there's nobody here I'd really even want to use a fourth round pick on or whatever. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and you know, punt this to the next year. Like um, we could have just taken Jared Davidson two picks earlier. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, yeah, they could. I, I guess they, they also might, you know, have some sort of insight that they've, you know, kind of looked into and think, hey, this this fourth round pick next year might actually be a better player than than who I could ever get. Because right now, who's oh, on the show sure. right now is maybe a fifth round pick or something. Yeah. And um, no, like, like the, we mentioned like the like like draft day trade. I think the one that that I was oh. like stunned by it. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into kirby duck i'm gonna i'm going uh to the arizona san jose trade uh oh. where 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 arizona traded a late first and two early second round picks to move up to 11th overall to pick connery geeky which to me was just like 
stunning. Uh, Arizona's draft capital last year was incredible. They 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 could have had a they could have built the spine of of a future contender in that draft. Uh, they could have had a a collection of guys like Shane Wright, Brad Lambert, um, Jagger Furcus, uh, Lane Hudson. Like, like the list goes on. They could have had so many of those players, and instead they they traded three value like, like that was the draft to trade down like that what that was the draft to, to to trade down within the the first and second round because and San Jose with all their new draft and, exactly it's, it's why and I found it so hilarious already really got a better player, player at 29 with with uh uh Philip Beastet he's but he's even that I'm not jealous here I'm not the biggest fan of Beastet I, I found it a, a hilarious trade because when it was made I was like oh my god what a fleecing and then by the end of it, when San Jose made their picks, I was like, San Jose won the trade, but like they could have gotten so much more. They could have gotten Brad Lambert. Uh, I don't know if they could have gotten Jagger Furcus, but uh, they, they, they could... were they Camlund or were they? Uh, they, they were Camlund, yeah. So yeah, they could have got the Jagger Furcus. So they could have had Brad Wait, Lambert, Jagger Furcus, and Lane Hudson. No, 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 or Calo Delius. Never mind. It was thirty-five. But they, they they could have had uh, or Adam Sakura, Brad, Brad Lambert, Adam Sakura, and uh, Lane Hudson, um, or or, yeah. or Grudinin, or Odelius, or whoever. I, I like Matias Havlid a ton. Uh, that was, I think, like at least for me, he was my favorite player that that they picked between Hanlon, Philip Bistet, and 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 him. But what are your thoughts on on Bistet? Because I I, I I wasn't a big fan last year. Uh, you know, and to be honest, I I had him in my second. I was just saying, in hindsight, like Beastet looks like he's better than the guy who Arizona traded up for, being Connor Geeky. You know, like Matias Havlid's over a half a point per game in the SHL right now, playing you know second line. Like in in the U18s last year, he was playing center and um, on the same line as um, um, Carlson uh, in this year's draft. Which I was like, oh, it's you know, because people keep saying, oh, Carlson's the center, Carlson's the center. I actually like Carlson on the wing a lot, and I'm okay. Like, I, I don't really think that there's much difference really in in, in that with him. I kind of okay, I kind of like him on the wing. Um, but it just showed that that they trusted Beastet so much to put him at center on that on the national team, despite having uh, Carlson on that same line. Uh, he's been he's been a lot better this year than I thought he was going to be. I yeah, like I said, what they're on when. When the draft happened, I thought, "Oh my god! Like you trade all the way back, you got all these picks, and you use use on Philip Bista." But now it's actually looking a little bit better than, than that. Like if Arizona had taken Ostland or Nazer, or yeah, you know, there were there were picks a bunch of options at eleven. Absolutely. Yeah, like like if, if they tra- trade up for Frank Nazer, I'd be like done and dusted. Like like yeah, you're you're overpaying to, to to trade up, but you're overpaying for a potentially elite player who. I, I am worried about now, like like losing your entire D plus one to injury is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I, I good as Nazer is, I don't know if he's going to fully bounce back from that to be the player that I really, that I ranked him second overall to be. Uh, but, but yeah, I think, I think it's been a very, uh, it, it was a very interesting draft and, just circling back to the 2023 class, are, are there any final notes, Jordan, of, of players we haven't yes, hit? Because we have gone this whole time. And I we have. I know. I forgot Does to it, talk the, about the big fish. The big forgot, fish in Russia. Yes, I forgot 
to talk about Matvey Mitchkov. So Matvey Mitchkov, I've watched most of his games, actually, because he hasn't played much this year. Um, just a background on him. So I think we all know who he is as a player, like just a elite offensive talent. Um, the shot is amazing. The playmaking is so good, but it's one of those things where because his shot's so amazing, people kind of just pigeonhole him as a shooter or like just only bring that up where I think maybe the casual fan might not realize how amazing he is as a playmaker and how smart he is. He's so, he's so smart in the offensive end. Um, all that's still true. All that's still true uh, to this day. He did miss the start of the season. Um, he was doing some preseason games, and what Russia did was they took basically like a young guns team. I think it was everybody like under the age of 23 or something like that. And... Um, and they played them against the KHL teams. And Alexi Emlin, who used to play in the NHL, and he wasn't the cleanest player, went knee-on-knee with Mitchkov, and Mitchkov was out. So he was – it was very, very hush when when that happened. At first, it was always going to be back in two to four weeks. and ended up being like six or seven or so. Uh, so he missed the start of the KHL season. He came back, and he was put into a KHL game, and they played him for two minutes. So he pretty much just was there to watch. Uh, and then after that, he went and, and played for the um, their BHL affiliate. And he had, I think, four goals in the first two games or something like that. Like, he was looking like himself and everything. Um, it wasn't the best Matty Mitchkov I've seen, but it was, you know, four, you know, four goals in two games is still, you know, in a pro league is still amazing, even when he wasn't at his best. Um, but since then, he's had, I think it's, three instances now where he has missed 10 at least 10 days like where he hasn't played a game in 10 days and uh the most recent coming to an end uh, a few days ago where he didn't play for almost a month um i know that there's international stuff as well in between like i think russia had like kind of a pseudo like uh um international tournament with the only countries that they can actually play with so it was like belarus and a few other things and I think it was like the U18s versus the U20s and stuff like that. So he was playing some games there. I understand that there's times where he might go up with the KHL team for a road trip and he doesn't see any games and therefore he's missed a bunch of stuff like that. But this has happened so much and he's just not getting a lot of playing time. And it's it's very it's a very curious case for me because um, it, it doesn't make any sense from a development standpoint and they're invested in his development because they have him for three more years after this. That's why a lot of people are wondering whether he'll go at two or three. And to be honest, I think he'll probably go at four. Um, so there, it doesn't make sense from a development standpoint. You want your, your young players playing. It doesn't make sense from a competitive aspect because he could like, he could be a good player on their KHL team. If they think, you know what, we're fine because they have like that, their KHL team has been like running the league. And they think, you know, we can win it without him. Okay, fine. Then put him in the VHL. Let him dominate. He's had a goal game. He's at nine goals through 10 games. We'll let him dominate there and you know, let him score 50 goals in the, in the VHL. Well, they're not doing that either. And at the same time, think about how many tickets they would sell uh, at a VHL game, whereas, you know, they don't really, like those are often pretty empty. Uh, and then, yeah, so like it, it doesn't make any sense from like a business perspective. It doesn't make any sense from like a development perspective. It doesn't make any sense from a competitive perspective. It's just very strange. And I don't know what's going on. I, I haven't heard anything. Like you know, when he doesn't play, you know, 
I don't hear any reports and, and I know obviously, you know, getting information out of there is difficult and people are, are hushed and everything. And there, you know, there's, you know, obviously the geopolitical aspect and a lot of things, you know, just others, there's noise going on. Right. But it's just very strange. And I, I, I feel bad for the guy because when he's been playing, he's been Matt Vimichkov that we all know. And uh, I just haven't seen enough of him because uh, he's only played in, you know, 10 league games plus, you know, the KHL game for two minutes or whatever it was. So, yeah, it's very difficult. I like he's as far as talent goes, he's the second best player. I think if he if, you know, contract aside and on all the stuff I just talked about aside. I still think I'd pick him third because he he he's allergic to defense. Like he 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 doesn't play it. It's um it's it's difficult. But like he is so exceptionally gifted offensively that you know I'm okay if like, he could be a hundred point guy. And like you know it's and I wouldn't think that's out of the I don't even think that's a, an extreme take. Um, so I'm okay with that. The only thing though is that I. Fantilli, it's not that Mitchkov as a player has 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 dropped it all in my view. Fantilli has like really taken off. Yeah. And I can yeah. see Fantilli being a guy who gets like 85 points a season and is just like your rock as a number one center. And you know, I, I think I, I kind of value that a little bit more. Um and you get an extra what four seasons of him, right? Like Yeah, yeah, exactly. An extra three for sure. And uh yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so uh, yeah, that's kind of where I have it. Um, right now, Mitch is my number three player on my board, but I understand fully that he's probably going to go fourth at the earliest. And if things keep up, like if, if he still doesn't play too too much, and if you know if there's ever anything getting out that says like, oh well, you know maybe he won't come over because there's always that you know consideration. Um, I could see teams saying, you know what, like I the rest of the draft class is so good that I think I could, I could, uh, you know, pick somebody ahead as of right now, though, there is nobody other than Leo Carlson and Adam Fantelli and Connor Bedard who I'd pick over him. And I don't think there really, there's anybody. And I'm not sure if anybody will ever take that from him, but if, if a team gets spooked uh, off and, uh, and, 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 you know, thinks that there, there might be an issue with just getting him, you know, over here in time, then I could see him dropping. Yeah, I I think my expectation for Hermitchkov is unless you see a a team with a very very progressive scouting like system in the top four, I I, I can't see him getting picked in the top four or, or, or top top three at the very least. I, I think like the four to six range is where he's going to fall. Um, and then again, I I, I could see the Habs being that team just because of Nick Bobrov and his ties to CK, uh, CSKA. For sure, right? Like, and and we, we have seen the Habs like like I mean they have they have Cole Caulfield for God's sakes, right? Like like they they know how how valuable undersized players who have exceptional skill and, and shooting talent can be. And 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 for listeners who haven't watched Mitchkov yet, my my uh, the the best comparison I've, I've come up with so far for Matthew Mitchkov is a D plus two Cole Caulfield, which. Was the season where he won uh, the Hobie Baker in, with Wisconsin, and then came to the NHL and, and and with the Habs playoff run, right? Like like that was a season where where Cole Caulfield lit up Vegas in the playoffs and and scored four goals and five points in in ten regular season games. Like like that is a very good player, and that that is my comparable for Mishkov. I, I would say that Mishkov is less involved defensively. Not that Cole Caulfield is uh, 
is exactly a selkie candidate but <laughs> but but there is at least like a semblance of of, of effort defensively for Caulfield yeah. uh and he, he he's learning some defensive tenacity uh whereas with Mitchkov it's not just an inability to play defense it's it's an unwillingness to do so and and that I think is quite an important dis- distinction but there is tremendous skill there and and yeah. he's dynamic and uh he's he's very fun to watch with a puck on a stick definitely I think the team that takes him uh if there if there's a team that takes him a bit earlier than than you know like in the two or three range it'll be a team that I think is starting their teardown as a rebuild where they know that they're going to be bad for the next couple of years Vancouver that yeah yeah like maybe Vancouver um, I know the Ducks started their teardown like last year when they started, like when they, they were in a playoff spot and they, they yeah. like, got one point below a playoff spot and then, uh, and then started to trade guys. Like they traded Hampus Lindholm and, uh, you know, Raquel, whatever. And, and they tried to trade, um, uh, anyways, whatever. Um, they tried to trade for Dodonov or whatever. Um, they tried. they're still being good, <laughs> but they, they were starting kind of their teardown last year. Um, I could see maybe a team that says, Hey, we're, we know we're going to be picking in the top five for the next two to three years. Um, we can go ahead and pick this guy. And then therefore we might be picking, you know, whether it's, um, Macklin Celebrini next year, or maybe, we'll so, be so in the, you know, in the Michael Mesa sweepstakes the year after that's yeah. what I can see. The other thing is what's really interesting with the ducks is they have, and I know you can move these guys around, but if the ducks get the first pick, they they'll have Bedard. Um, Zegris, McTavish, and Nathan Gaucher as their centers, which I know you're disgusting. Probably, you're probably going to move Zegris to Zegris, the wing. Yeah, if Zegris isn't on Bedard's wing, then then they need to then like somebody needs to get arrested because yeah, like they, what perfect players to play with, right? Um, but if they do choose to have them all at center, like that's that's your center depth is set, right? So, anyways, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And you brought up Macklin Celebrini because uh, I, I I got in a viewing of Jaden Perron uh, uh, like a week ago, uh, who is a, a, an interesting player for this draft class. Um, the The playmaking skill is is right up there with the top five in the class. Um, really great off puck movement. He's small, um, but I know I know some people I really like. I, I scouts I really respect have him in their top 10. I'm not at that yet. I think he's more of like a 20 ish range yeah. player, but, yeah. but he plays on the line with Mac and Celebrini and I was watching him play and my eye was always drawn towards the center. And I was like, who is this play? Like, how have I missed like the, 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 the this player on Chicago that, that, that's this good. And I, I, I search up the number and I'm like, Oh, it's Celebrini. That's why. <laughs> and uh, very, very impressive guy. No, no, agreed. And uh, Jordan, are there any final notes for you? So this is this is your stage to to, to plug your links, to talk about anything you want. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I'm a European uh, crossover scout at Dauber Prospects, um, and additionally, I am a Russian regional scout at Dauber Prospects. Uh, you can find my work there. Um, and also, I, you know, I, I tweet mainly about, uh, prospects, uh, you know, trade Red Wings and any other interesting, you know, prospects or hockey stuff that I, you know, that I come across. 
Um, my Twitter handle is uh, Jordan underscore NHL draft. Um, and it's, you know, it's just spelled J-O-R-D-A-N. Um, trying to think what else. One thing I'm actually doing, and, I'm, and I don't know when this podcast will actually air, so it might actually be after the fact, but um, the PWHPA um, All-Star event is in Ottawa this weekend. And I'm representing an organization called Grindstone Foundation. Um, and then just what they do is they, um, they raise money to give equipment and registration fee grants for uh, girls who want to play hockey, who might not necessarily have the means to. So um, anyways, all that to say is, um, you know, I'll be at that event there. Um, you know, there's games going on. There's an all-star, you know, event on the Sunday. I'll be out there on the Saturday. Um, you know, if you're there, swing by, you know, chat with me. Um, you can support a good cause. And at the same time, you're supporting a great event with, you know, the PWHPA and their quest for uh, a sustainable league. So that's kind of, uh, um, you know, stuff that I kind of want to chat about there. Um, I don't know, like I said before, I don't know when this will air. So uh, if it's going to be after the fact, then that's fine. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to this weekend. So yeah, that's all. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, it's been, it's been a joy to listen to your takes on the European prospects in this draft. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday's Dauber meet and, and seeing how our, how our top 50 ends up looking. Uh, but yeah, on, on that note, uh, also thank you to Aaron and Josh for joining us today on the panel, and we will see you again next week.